0: We never know where life will lead us, or what may hinder us along the way. But while every day can feel like one big question mark, it doesn't have to. With the right insights, strategies, and solutions from Western and Southern Financial Group, together we can look ahead to leave the unknown behind. Moving forward <laughs> from this point on, I will not make reference to PFF. <laughs> Do you not understand that they are that way because you're Joe Flacco? I mean, you just like to discredit things that people deserve credit for. That you can't possibly be expected to defend that. Talk about the games, man. So, who cares about what people think about us? Yeah, I like football. I like the season and all the things that go with it. Welcome in to the PFF NFL Podcast. Steve Palazzolo here once again, flying solo. Sam Monson out on the road somewhere, hopefully not broken down, but uh, making his way across country. E-Type Jag, him and his dad, making their way. Go check out Sam's pinned tweet for more information. You can follow along. You can donate to the uh, charity that they're raising money for for men's health. They're doing a lot of cool stuff. So go go check out at PFF underscore Sam to find out just how well the trip is going. Uh, Happy Memorial Day to everybody here, Monday morning. We've got a great show today with Greg Rosenthal of Around the NFL. I know uh, we haven't had many guests on here recently. We had Rick Spielman on Thursday, which, by the way, I think was one of the best football discussions I've had in a long time. If you want to hear a former general manager actually give some insight and not speak like he's talking to the press and just, giving bland answers where he's not trying to give away information this is not that i mean this is rick going into detail about their player evaluation process their draft process some of their hits and misses uh it was a great discussion as far as uh getting to understand what a general manager has to has to do uh, in his job so uh that was Thursday show um and so we made it a point to only have great guests that's our goal and i think greg Uh, today from around the NFL one of the very best if not the best NFL podcast out there Um, just just another fun football discussion we're going to talk a little bit about the best teams in the NFL roster rankings how they were constructed quarterback rankings and all sorts of good stuff before we get into Greg though don't forget that the very best place to play fantasy football this summer is underdog fantasy their best ball mania tournament has 10 million dollars in total prize money and the best part is you draft your fantasy football team and that's it's that's all you have to do there's no waivers no trades no in-season management underdog gives you your best score each week and the highest scores at the end of the year win the champion of best ball mania last year drafted in june so there's no time like the present to join underdog and take your shot at a million dollar draft plus underdog is going to double your first deposit up to 100 dollars when you sign up with the promo code pff and then if you play 10 of those dollars using promo code pff you get a free pff subscription It's a no-brainer, people. So what are you waiting for? Head to underdogfantasy.com or the App Store. Play $10 with code PFF. Draft your best ball mania team today. So special shout-out to our friends at Underdog Fantasy. And then the PFF NFL Podcast is also brought to you by Cash App. Cash App is the easiest way to send, spend, and save your money. You can send or request money from your friends when they owe you for dinner, drinks, literally anything, maybe outstanding bets, When it comes to Brandon Graham sacks, whatever it might be. So Sam can send me all of his losing bets through Cash App. Besides just sending money back and forth, with Cash App, you can invest in stocks with as little as $1, as well as buy, sell, and send Bitcoin instantly. And Cash App also lets you design your own debit card completely free to spend money anywhere you'd like. Cash App will laser print it and mail it to you, all for free. And the card comes with free discounts at your favorite places called Boosts. So sign up for Cash App today using referral code TOUCHDOWN, which gives new users $15. It's promo code TOUCHDOWN for $15 free dollars. That's right. All sorts of free stuff here on the PFF NFL podcast. So thank you to Underdog Fantasy, to Cash App for making it all happen here on this Memorial Day. Let's get to Greg Rosenthal, co-host of the Around the NFL podcast. All right, well, welcome in to Greg Rosenthal, co-host of the Around the NFL podcast. You'll see him all over NFL Network and various things, NFL.com. Greg, appreciate having you here. You know, first time, long time. I I will try to...
1: Come with as many contrarian takes as I can, just to really fill Sam's Sam's shoes here.
0: Yeah, so uh, I reached out to you. So you you do actually listen to our podcast, right? Is it you know like I every do. now and again? I do. Or?
1: I mean, it's a, like during the season, I'm sort of not a football podcast listener because it's like that at that point you should be covered. But off season, yeah. um, I do I do like sometimes put myself in your see and just
0: want to push back just like a little more that's what i'm looking for you as a host just a little more Oh, you want me to push back
1: yeah on, what, sam.
0: on yeah. sam a little bit more yeah. oh okay that's good i didn't know we were jumping right into uh to feedback here i didn't know that
1: yeah that's that's, that's always what you want to do as a guest on someone else's uh successful show is immediately <laughs> well, let me tell you how you could host better ideas. yeah
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah it's good having you greg appreciate you yeah <laughs> Um, I'm kidding.
1: I, lo- I love I I love, love Sam's takes uh, in general, but so- sometimes when he just
0: goes re- really far, far. Yeah, he off, goes far. You know, he goes far, get, far get sometimes. A, get a get a we do. Um, I'll let you play that role, though. You could play okay. crazy take guy, and I'll practice pushing back just a little bit. Um, I'm with you because I, I can't really listen. I try not to listen to NFL podcasts just so I can have my own views and not steal others, so that's kind of like my take on it, but I appreciate what you guys do over there. At around that's the why NFL, draft you guys are season is when I really lock into others because I don't and, and so you of need my, some uh, of my around the
1: NFL colleagues here we don't even pretend to be draft mix, so right. that's where I'm like okay I'm gonna at least know what the people are, are saying you guys are great with the draft especially
0: but but like inside podcasting here having a little yes. discussion here you got what when did you guys start the podcast you guys have been doing this over 10 years right? Uh, not quite. 2013, uh, the summer, Chris Wesley and I came out here,
1: and Dan Hansis and Mark Sess were already there, and we started it that summer. So we'll be, yeah, hitting our 10th
0: season this year. Yeah, and um, Chris was awesome. We love Chris. He was, I, I think of Chris a lot. He was, you know, Cincinnati native. And um, I was just joking with you off air. Like, I watch a lot of old baseball games. I remember him always raving about, like, Eric Davis oh from God. the Reds and the 80s and stuff. So I watch these old Reds games. I'm always thinking of him because that was, like, his. That was his team, right? That was his squad. But
1: that that was his squad and yeah, he will he will um he always said Eric Davis at his peak was right there with Barry Bonds and,
0: and anyone else is the greatest. I I ever. think he's right. Can't I can't argue. I, yeah. I think I, I think he's absolutely right. But you guys have done such a great job of just right, just having conversations, right, about about football and um just having a good time. And I think Sam and I have learned a lot from you guys, you know, through the years and just kind of how you guys um uh, interact with each other have fun obviously you guys are having fun doing it and all that stuff so that's been great but yeah you guys you've been going at it for a while around the nfl
1: appreciate it yeah it is crazy because when we started it was something that we absolutely had to sneak around had no support like they didn't want us to do it whatsoever yeah. and As you know like the internet writing business uh hasn't always um, been too stable so now podcasting who knew turned into actually the part of the job that's valuable and it's keeping us employed
0: yeah right and and so that was when you mentioned the draft stuff i think what sam and i have learned is people like just being a part of those conversations so we end up just getting into like what's this team going to do with number five overall and what are the million different routes that they can go And, and and i think we've we've grown from like you know, super detailed player evaluation stuff to just kind of like I think the conceptual. What do you think teams are going to do? What What is the strategy here? And I think that's that's played that's played pretty just well. Like we should try season. to
1: be a little more like kind of basic bros, like the around the NFL guys. Like not not let everyone know how smart we are every episode. <laughs> but just sort of like
0: dumb yeah. it down. Which is why I don't push back on Sam too much. I don't want to be you know Mr. Mr. Smarty <laughs> Pants over here. So. Um, well you you've been working on a series over at nFL.com uh, going through all of the starters projecting the starters so you've probably got a good feel it's, it's nice when you go through this exercise right feel for the best rosters around the NFL
1: i I love this exercise I always do it right after the draft just to so it's a, it's a great prep and then you can feel like okay you're done but yeah like looking at, like the deep teams, where teams are weak. Like you get fooled sometimes by thinking like, just cause they, every team a certain team fills every hole that like, okay, that's the best team. That's, you know, you just, you do want your strengths to be ultra strong. That can matter more. Uh, but the teams, especially where you can imagine the backups playing always get a big edge for me because everyone just kind of goes into the season assuming everyone's going to play and uh, as we know it ends up being like you need about 40 good players going into the season
0: It, it is one of the cool things about football right it's not just about filling the roster like where your strengths are does actually matter I my my most common reference was the Eagles for years it's like always great offensive line great defensive line but they didn't win the Super Bowl until their perimeter players their receivers and corners uh we're up to par in that 2017 season so it's always an interesting exercise like you said like hey this team looks pretty good all the starters look good and you got a couple good backups but like where your strengths are also matters as well that's the whole positional value argument when it comes to NFL so um do you rank these rosters at all or do you have a general ranking I do want to get into what you think are the 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 best rosters here
1: uh, I, I di- don't rank it as part of this exercise. I give like notes with each team, sort of like where they're thin, where they're not. Like I, I mentioned, I, I kind of hint at it, like based on the about, you know what I say underneath it. There's certain teams like the Cardinals come to mind that after doing this, I'm like, oh, they're they're a way bigger mess than I thought. Or the Colts. Yeah. Uh, this time actually, I, I thought I was down on the Colts, and then when I went through it again, I'm like, oh, Chris Ballard did it again. Like I'm gonna overrate the Colts again. <laughs> so like you have surprises going through the exercise. Uh, but I, I don't have like a hard ranking, although it's like, I don't know. It's kind of hard not to put the
0: bills if not at the top, like right near the top. Yeah. Chris, um, coming out of the draft, uh, Brandon Bean saying stuff like, yeah, we just wanted to add some yak in the draft. It's <laughs> like, if you go into the draft, just looking for some, for some yak players, your roster is pretty in good shape. It's probably in pretty good shape. Now. That could come back to bite in two years when there's turnover and all that stuff. But usually if you're just like, ah, we just need some yards after the catch type of guys in this draft, then you're probably in in pretty good shape like the Bills are.
1: Right, because I think if you're making the list of like the best off-seasons and the best rosters, the Bills would be on it. I just feel like they're a team that you look at where they are now, and I just feel like they're better than where they were in the divisional round when I thought they were ready to go win a Super Bowl, and and they could have if their defense didn't collapse. right you know I'm a little tired of like hearing about the coin flip when they're they've got a defensive head coach and they put that much into the defense and you can't get a stop
0: 13 seconds quarters 13 (laughs) seconds away and then and then little little average armed Joe Burrow's got to go to the howling winds of Buffalo for the AFC championship not that the Bengals couldn't have pulled it off but it may have been a little bit different so would you say? Do you think the Bills have the best roster in the NFL? Then would you say top to bottom? I do, but they're like, they're they're like
1: a few other teams, and, and this is where you know I know the kind of the PFF beliefs, kind of the mantras. I'd love to. We, we got to have you on our show and like go through each one of them, yeah, and and, it. Uh, and explain each. other. But one of them, which I which I totally get and I understand, is is you just want your offensive line to be average, right? You yeah. you don't want it to be a big problem, and that's they're like a handful of teams i think that have some of the better rosters in the league i throw denver in there i would throw new orleans if not for quarterback in there where like offensive line is the biggest question mark the fact that the bills added a lot to their pass rush i like like everything they did with their pass rush not just von miller but daquan jones tim settle like i love the depth there like i love i love the whole roster the offensive line like if you're looking for a problem. They're probably hoping to be slightly above average, but they that's about where they were last year, if that, and they don't look any better. So that's – if you're another AFC East team, I feel like that's the one spot that could give you a little hope.
0: No, it's true. I mean, you look at the uh, – who did you have as a projected right tackle? We had Spencer Brown there with um, Ryan Bates maybe playing guard, Cody Ford maybe trying to rejuvenate his career. I mean, it is – Saffold, who you brought in, you know, guard to left who guard hasn't
1: really been a good pass blocker. So in general, it seems like an offensive line that looks a little better uh, with the run. I did have Spencer Brown and Ryan Bates. Yeah, you have Mitch yeah. Morris. Like Dawkins wasn't the same guy for a chunk of last year. Then he seemed to recover it. It's not like an amazing offensive line and. Dable and Allen maybe make them look like a little bit better and so that's that's something that that could decline a little bit but that's about it I, everything else I think looks pretty nice
0: and so I think you know when you talk about the PFF axioms and all that stuff part of that strategy of having an offensive line though or an average offensive line is having say a Stefan Diggs or a Jameson Crowder now replacing Cole Beasley when you have a guy to get the ball to quickly. That's going to protect the offensive line enough like if you had a bad receiving core and an average offensive line that's when it starts to to catch up because you get to hold the ball a tick longer and you're putting more pressure on the line but um kind of with I you love on that the bill they gave money too to like their
1: fourth receiver mckenzie like and yeah. crowder to me replaces cole beasley fine like Perfectly that's fine. that's yep. close enough um i i don't know that's one thing i remember you know ever since that kyle shanahan falcons team I feel like that team hasn't gotten enough, like love for changing the NFL. But part part of it was like, you need four receivers. And now doing this exercise, I used to say like teams are a little thin if they didn't have a good third receiver. Now I'm saying like, they're a little thin if they don't have a fourth or a fifth. Like right. I, I like the teams that have four and five and the bill, the bills are one of them.
0: You're speaking my language here, Greg. I mean, that is, I, I always describe it as tactical and, you know, from a depth standpoint, right. Tactically, the Bills have all these different skill sets, right? You have the all-around receiver in Stephon Diggs. You have Gabriel Davis, who's, you know, playoff Jerry Rice. But, you know, he's a legitimate speed threat. They've always had that slot threat like a Cole Beasley. And then, um, you know, having Isaiah McKenzie to, you know, run the end arounds and all that fun stuff. I mean, you just have – they've always had these specific roles for their receivers, which is great from just a game plan standpoint, but also depth is so crucial at that position. So – um, but I think that's today's NFL, right? It's I, I think it's depth at pass catcher. I think it's depth in in the secondary. And uh, the Bills add Kyler K- Elam as the cornerback too. Of course, the biggest splash move is Von Miller. It's easy to like the Von Miller move for this year. We'll see if that cap number ends up coming back to bite in future years. But for right now, yeah, it definitely looks like the Bills are pretty pretty strong all around.
1: Yeah, I'm not really coming strong with like the contrarian Sam take here to start. I'll try I'll try Well harder.
0: Sam would say draft Tyler Linderbaum at center and play two centers, you know, just uh <laughs> just figure it out later. Just figure it out later, you know. I don't is... know.
1: They needed a cornerback. I mean, they, they got a hit on that uh pick too. That that would be the other spot beyond the offensive line that there's like a little bit of concern that you have you have to hit on that, but you kind of trust them. To develop, and you give them a little extra credit because they hit on the Tredavious White pick so well to start the McDermott
0: era. And they, they've the done a, one since that. The, all of their secondary moves, really, even like a Teron Johnson. Like who knows Teron Johnson? He's one of the, he's been one of the better slot corners in the NFL over the last couple of years. They've done a great job with their safeties, with all their corners in Buffalo. So there is that kind of benefit of the doubt you might give them as far as what they've done there. Uh, what about beyond the Bills? Who else is in that? echelon for you all right i i would throw in like the bucks would probably
1: be next i don't really have uh a lot that i can find fault with with the bucks they're, they're weirdly like and i don't think they're slipping under the radar but just people are tired of talking about them uh but right. I, I love i love that roster and then it gets into the next group which is a lot of the afc teams the i'd throw the chargers in there the broncos another team with the offensive line where's the questions the ravens the bengals the packers are certain and the rams are certainly in there too like I, to me that's that's a big that's a big group but they're all groups where they pretty much can fill out every hole except for like maybe one one question mark per team with the Bucs, i don't even
0: know if i have that question mark like what to you is their biggest concern i mean the, the bucks it's interesting cuz last year like they were the obvious pick here right it's like you just won the super bowl You literally brought back every player. You brought back every coach. Nothing changed. You know, Bucks are Bucks are back, and you don't have exactly the same thing. But I I think when you talk about if 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 the Bucks are going to have issues, it's it's going to be injuries in the secondary, injuries at receiver, like they had last year, or the offensive line potentially. If you're
1: if you're starting with injuries, it's like well, yeah, that you could say that with every team. So you're saying there's.
0: I'm always. I'm just looking at when you're the box you're the bills you're the chiefs you're like we, we're winning a super bowl right so what are the things that might keep us from a super bowl but yeah as far as like the starters for the box we don't know who the left guard is last year we did right we knew who their five starters are so we don't know who the starting left guard is and maybe just the turnover in the uh, at, at safety you know logan ryan and mike edwards trying to replace jordan whitehead i mean that's that's it as far as questions this year versus still, last year. It's not. Have,
1: yeah, still yeah. have Winfield. You have Gage, and part of the value of Tom Brady is you make those guys, Tyler Johnson or Cyril Grayson, work for the time that you need them. If right. you if you need them, you drafted uh, Gadecki on the offensive line. That one one thing I I don't know if this is a PFF thing or not, but to me, coaching is so much more important on the offensive line than I agree anywhere I agree. else. That like. No one would care about Alex Kappa if he wasn't on the Bucks. You know, he wouldn't have gotten paid if he wasn't on the Bucks. Uh, and I just sort of assume that they can slide in some someone into one of those guard spots. Gadecki, yeah,
0: I, I think they'll be fine there eventually. But it, but again, we're we're nitpicking question marks here. But I'm I'm with you on the coaching on the offensive line. I do think, I do I do think old line coaches move the needle. I don't know. There's eight to ten really good ones that I think have a consistent track record. You know, and then it's kind of a crapshoot after that. And the secondary
1: used to be something that I feel like people thought, okay, that's the weakness. And now I look at it like, to me, that's a strength. Like, I, I like that quarterback group. I know they were hurt last year. Carlton Davis surprised me that he didn't get more money than he did. Yeah. But to have a group that young that's played that much together, that that's one thing I definitely give a little extra credit for in this exercise, which is like the combination of continuity and youth. Like yeah. if you have a team that's in the Bills and the Bucks probably are the best teams with that. Where like if you have a team that's young and has been together, that's that's kind of what you want.
0: The the other nitpicky question about the Bucks is maybe their pass rush. Like their pure four man rush, right? Shaquille Barrett on one side. Uh, JPP's not coming back. He wasn't great in that sense last year anyway. Joe Tryon Shayinka trying to probably fill that role. Uh, and and Domican Sue's fascinating. That dude plays over eight hundred snaps every year. Our grades keep going down on him and I'm always like man just give him 500 snaps or 400 snaps maybe he could still bring it but he's still there he's been down there every every snap he's, year after he's year He's still unsigned he was He's still unsigned he's, so you got to replace him He was the
1: him. best player like he was the best player in multiple games or maybe the best player in their play Super Bowl run defensively certainly one of them yeah. and he was the best player on the field against the Rams too like he had a great game in that game uh against the Rams so it's just like maybe just he's one of those guys bring out
0: like week eight like see if he <laughs> right. wants to just sit out a while every year i hypothesize like give me the aging defensive lineman cut his workload in half and let him go and you don't always see teams do that but i, th- I think it could be a way to to maximize those guys but um <clears throat> i'm with you on the bucks there you mentioned the broncos i mean they they had a good roster last year they were probably high in this in this exercise last year you just said well Teddy Bridgewater's the quarterback but yeah then adding in guys like Randy Gregory and of course Russell Wilson's the big the big play there so is Denver good enough to win the AFC West oh absolutely I mean the, the the bigger
1: concern for me is like the defense for the most part underperformed last year like I love it on paper but it wasn't really that good, and now you're losing Vic Fangio and you're replacing him with a guy um, in, in Evro that's in his, like, coaching tree. But that's, it's, it's a weird thing for a, a new coach to take on a team with Super Bowl expectations. There's, like, a few of them this year. I mean, maybe not yeah. Super Bowl expectations, but weird first-time head coach spots where it's like, Josh McDaniels is taking over a team that made the playoffs. And there's going to be a lot of expectations, and this is a good roster. But uh, Mike McDaniel's taking over a roster where everyone thinks they're just going to be better. But I don't know; they've been above 500 two straight years with Brian Flores, and then this is another one where it's like three first-time head coaches. Where if you're if you don't have a winning record this year, people are going to be very upset. But on paper, like they've just got so much depth of weapons and so much depth. Of pass rushers and so much depth in the secondary. And like, those are the spots that, I mean, you'd love to have depth everywhere, but that those are three great spots to have depth where you, I'm not a huge, like Russell Wilson guy at this point of his career, but it's, yeah, I don't think he has to be 2000 in
0: 18 Russell Wilson, just for them to win a lot of games. I was, was going to ask, where do you land on the Russell Wilson takes, you know, as far as let him cook, chuck it 50 times a game, or do you think there's something to, Seattle somewhat limiting him through the years because is it did they do that because they know him or because Pete Carroll's a dinosaur he just likes to run the ball man you know like what what is the what's the where's the truth there I I just think that like he that close in the middle
1: closer to the side of like yeah they should have been throwing more in general you know in in terms of their process but he's also like maybe just a smidge overrated and and a little streaky over the last few years. Certainly in that look, they the one thing I do push back on is like I feel like they tried to get there with him, right? Uh, and change the offense for him, and it just like is always going to be a little bit of the Russell Wilson offense, which is just like he's good at what he's good at throwing deep out to the outside. Might not be good throwing over the middle. Holds the ball forever. He's going to make plays, and you do worry like can he make as many plays as he gets older? but i feel like you get that one really good russell wilson year probably in his first year in denver i don't know why like that you you get it closer to the top 5 even if he's not a top 5 quarterback
0: like closer to the top 5 for for like a year a nice little honeymoon there. even even with a new system nathaniel hackett new system it's the rodgers system it's that whole whatever but in West theory Coast. isn't that kind of what he was supposedly playing in last year too last last year's offense was so weird to me because russ already i don't want to use the word boom or bust but like the old system was a lot of play action downfield shots right and it I'm kind of with you, too. Articulating this is difficult, right? Can Russ be over and underrated at the same time? Isn't that like the, the Tony Romo special? Like, you're you're both all at the same no, time? No, Tony Romo was just underrated. He was just always. underrated? That's, that's my stance. Yeah, he probably was. With, with Russ, it was almost like because they didn't let him cook at times, they played to his strength so much that his efficiency numbers looked great, right? I mean, the fact that he just ran play action and – took downfield shots played to his strength so much that if you did you know throw the ball five to ten percent more time maybe he wouldn't be as good as inefficient and the nerds wouldn't love his numbers as much but you know what I mean it's kind of like the way that Seattle held him back helped his per play efficiency numbers which were unsustainable (laughs) I guess is my way of of breaking it down um but you have yeah here you have more weapons than he's ever had and he's had plenty of weapons in his career it's not like he's been um oh let me let me push back on that though okay let me push back on is there anything better than dk metcalf and tyler lockett i'm with you as far as like receiver three receiver four i mean those dudes are starters right and tight end matters but as far as a one-two punch of dk metcalf and tyler lockett you're not getting better than that from denver as much as i love tim patrick and Cortland sutton and all those guys so better depth but man that's losing dk that he was a perfect okay. fit for Russell Wilson. And
1: Lockett, too. And I Lockett. Mean Lockett feels like as big a loss or, or close. I am projecting here. I'm projecting Cortland Sutton to not be the guy he was a year ago when he really wasn't right. who he was before the injury. And I'm a Jerry Judy believer that, like, he – I think Jerry Judy should be at the same level as a Lockett this year. Right. Like, shouldn't he be? And, and, and Sutton, yeah, Sutton's not DK – um, but the depth too, is at running back? Like, yeah. it's a good, it's a good running game. It's a good pass catching running game with, with Williams and Gordon. Good enough. Uh, like Alberto, I, I've, I've believed in the last couple of years that he can do something too. uh, just like all those options and they I think they will throw
0: a lot I mean I assume they will yeah Um, no I'm with you on the Broncos receiving core and all that stuff I like KJ Hamler coming off injury I I love his speed and quickness Judy's an interesting one I feel like the underrated aspect of receiver play when you're slight either short or on the skinnier side is just toughness and whether it's Julian Edelman or Steve Smith they just have this this toughness, this tenacity that I think made them borderline, whatever they are, Hall of Fame, borderline, Hall of Famers, whatever you want to call Julian Edelman, right? Does Jerry Judy lack that? Because I'm with like he he's awesome. Route running, those bendy knees and all that stuff, whatever. He just gets open. Does he lack some of that middle of the field toughness to make him as complete of a receiver as he needs to be? I'm a Judy believer too, but the more I watch receivers, I'm like, man, I want to see that Edelman. I want to see that Steve Smith in some of these guys. And I wonder if Judy's lacking some of that. No, that's a fair, that's fair.
1: And um, he, he might be suspended to start the year, which is is something to keep in mind for them, at least right. like early. But that's the thing is this is a team that I feel like can survive that. And I, I love that they just kept stacking pass rushers too. It just feels yeah. like like Kwan Williams was a nice signing at, at Nickelback, that the, the secondary looks great. You have Malik Reed as like your third rusher. You draft Benito as your fourth, I guess. Um, I like DJ Jones as a signing Draymond Jones is like a a good underrated player. It's just like, it just feels like there's less ways for this team to mess up unless the coaching staff isn't that good, which is, which like is a total possibility. People just assume guys, um, can coach and, and, and I'm sort of of the belief. There's probably only like five or six staffs that really matter positively and then really matter negatively and most are in the middle and we probably like get a little carried away and most likely they'll be in the middle and then they're fine where
0: where, where does urban meyer fall in
1: that uh right that's what i mean yeah like,
0: that's that's sort of what i mean
1: i, I th- i'm always a little a little uh skeptical of the guy like hackett who clearly have good relationships with the media and have gotten like extra good coverage over the years though like
0: that's that's my corner is like all right
1: be a little a little worried about those guys
0: was it wasn't the mike mcdaniel rise a little weird like i hadn't heard him speak until about week eight of last year and all of a sudden he's like the coolest press conference guy ever (laughs) making awesome football points making jokes and all of a sudden it's like yeah this dude's hot coaching candidate and i'm not taking that away from him it was just funny how that happened unless i missed something along the way no, you're. I'm with
1: you. Although he almost is the other way around. Like he felt like he stayed off the radar so long that until they, like Kyle Shanahan was yeah. purposefully burying his career as long as possible,
0: <laughs> and then eventually people just kind of wised up. He doesn't seem like he's playing the game too much. So some of the other rosters you mentioned: AFC North, Ravens, Bengals. Did you throw the Browns in there as well, as far as best rosters? I didn't. They. Okay. They were they were one of the
1: teams that I thought like a little less of after doing this exercise. And tell me if you disagree, but their offensive line has been great and still should be like very, very good. But it, is it like, am I locking that group in as one of the best groups right now? Willis was not as good a year ago. Um, You know, Conklin often injury like that centers a, a little bit of a question mark. Like it should be a good group, but, then you have you have that plus a pretty thin wide receiver group right um the secondary like you like the starting corners but there's not great depth there you don't really have great defensive tackles i I feel like they were like a little overheated as like this ready-made super bowl contender that all you need to do is add deshaun watson like yeah if you're talking about the 2020 browns uh, absolutely. But I, I think they're a little diminished maybe to where they were a couple of years ago.
0: No, I, I think those are all good points. It, so put Watson aside just for a minute here. Even if you just look at the Browns last year at this time on paper were probably top three or four because I think even last year's receiving core on paper with OBJ and Jarvis Landry, you're like, all right, that's good. You know, They, they don't run a lot of three wide receivers. They're going And Richard Higgins was there. So now it's Amari Cooper and an inconsistent Donovan Peoples-Jones and Hakeem Grant. Like, I love Amari Cooper, but yeah. David the, Bell,
1: I think they're, like, counting on David Bell to
0: play. David to be Bell being that. Guy,
1: which is a lot to ask. I mean, yeah. maybe he
0: will. So I think I think when you look at last year versus this year, you can see the receivers are a little bit worse. You lose a Troy Hill in the secondary for whatever that's worth. Like, the, the secondary depth isn't as good as it looked last year at this time. The defensive line depth isn't nearly as good as it was last year at this time, even with Jadavian Clowney. Coming back, and then you lose J.C. Treader at center. Yeah, so you're trying to take this last like four fifths of their offensive line. You'd say was was really really good. The one question was left tackle. Now you have two question marks, right? I I would say on the offensive line. So, yeah, I think that's fair. That the Browns from a roster standpoint are probably a tick below where they've been in recent years, even with Deshaun Watson coming in replacing Baker Mayfield. Right,
1: and it's also you had the like optimism. You're okay. You're bringing in John Johnson. He's gonna be. Right, a huge difference maker a year ago. You know, he he's probably entering this season. And I, I'm a fan of John Johnson, but if he has the same season he had a year ago, they'd probably cut him. I think considering his contract. I, yeah, I, I, it was I his worst he, year as a pro, right? And yeah. I, I like Clowney. Them bringing Clowney back makes a ton of sense. And you now have Winovich, who I always thought could do something as a third rusher, which made more sense than if he was like starting. So th- there's still plenty to like. Like I would say, it's a top. 12 roster top 10 roster um but Ravens and Bengals I think I don't you know are right there with with the top groups I don't I don't really see a lot to find fault with I feel like Cincinnati's been stacking pretty good
0: off seasons now for a couple of years yeah the Bengals you know there was 2015 or so they were was the last time I think they were in this position where you're like man that's a that's a good roster in Cincinnati. And then it all just fell apart. The offensive line fell apart. They couldn't replace their playmakers. They have battled back to get to that point. Of course, Joe Burrow pulls it all together, but just a marvelous job, I think of building their offensive line for, you know, the, the idea of part of the concept of creep back toward average is the idea that you can get maybe two starters for the price of one on the offensive line, which I think they did, you know, with uh, Ted Karras and Alex Kappa, essentially instead of, one $16 million Brandon Scherf, you got two $14 million worth, of, you know, $14 million worth of two players, right? So I love what Cincinnati did. And then they go into the draft and it's like, the Bengals don't have needs at pick 31. They could just pick the best <laughs> player. Like when was the last time that happened in Cincinnati? Right. right. And I, and I, I sort of ended the
1: piece with like, yeah, they're the Rafter looks way better and it's pretty complete, but ultimately like they'll, they'll go as far as their. Top five skill position players are special for sure, but there's every reason. But that's where I was talking about like youth and continuity, like who has a better combo of youth and continuity at the biggest positions Burrow, Mixon, Chase, Higgins, Boyd, like as them. So, if those guys take another step and there's reason to believe they can, then they'll be fine. Um, I do, I do worry though, as you're talking, I'm like. You know, it's like, oh, they, the offensive line's set. You know, you got Ted Karras and Alex Kappa and Jackson Carmen with like an offensive line staff um, that has kind of been shown to be a net negative. You know, they they haven't been able to coach the offensive line, uh, so that that's like one concern. But I love I love the Collins signing, and I love um, the idea that you guys have to pretend. Not to be Bengals fans there but <laughs> like, just become Bengals fans. Like I a mean, little stadiums, bit, right? right?
0: I can throw. I, I have a great arm. I can throw a stone to the stadium from here. Really? Well, twelve okay. blocks. I can't throw the ball that far anymore. But uh, yeah, it's not. It was. It was just the city was buzzing. You know, it was nice to. Uh, I mean, I like just like, like LA. Diff-
1: I like the Bengals. I like the Chris Henry, C.J. Zada Bengals. They, I've sort of always liked the Bengals for some reason. Yeah. But like, what's the point of um talking about it if you don't like a bunch of teams each year? Uh, at least for me, like you gotta start. You gotta have some that you like, and it'd be stupid. It'd be stupid to not like the Bengals right now. Come
0: on. Yeah, they're in, they're in a good spot, but man, I. It's one of those years where at the end of the season even the teams that did everything right and on paper they made all the right moves, they're going to win eight games. I mean, that's going to be the AFC, whether it's the Dolphins or the Browns or the Broncos or one of these teams that we're talking about that has a great roster is going to be like 7-10 and or 8-9, and and it's going to feel like this massive disappointment, like blow it all up when the reality is it's just – I think it's just because the AFC is so deep, and the AFC North in particular – um I just I run into a lot of Bengals fans over here where it's like, why aren't the Bengals getting enough love? It's like, okay, you made a great Super Bowl run. There's like you're still one play away from maybe losing to the Raiders in the wild card round at the you know, and then they make a great run, but it's like, don't sleep on the Ravens, you can't sleep on the Browns. The Steelers are always gonna at least be solid in the mix. It's just such a tough path in the a f c so even these best rosters, I think there'll be some. Some mediocre records last year for some of the best right. teams in the league. Ravens should bounce back strong yeah. after the bad injury luck.
1: The Steelers, like the fact that they'll have an over under of eight and a half or whatever it is, I don't know where it is, um, and that I'll probably be like, you know, believing that Mike Tomlin will figure out is all just about Steelers, like Magic Dust and Tomlin, <laughs> yes. because they, they've got, they like on paper compared to the rest of that division, they're much worse. The offensive line. Of course. I like what they did but it's still worse. Right. Uh, quarterback. I don't know if Stefan Tuitt's ever going to be Stefan Tuitt again. They're a, a little thin there and then the secondary, you know, the secondary is as questionable if not more than it's ever been. Like writing down Akilah Weatherspoon and Levi Wallace and Cameron Sutton is like, mm, as their top 3 corners, that feels
0: like three okay number 3s. That's right. I love Levi like those are dudes that I would sign, right? If I'm in the seat of general manager. I'm signing Levi Wallace and I'm signing Akilah Witherspoon, but as my third and fourth corners, right? Right. I'm signing them because there's a a good offseason actually. I think signing Mason Cole, signing James Daniels, I like that
1: they actually were a little more aggressive than they usually are. Like these guys can all play and fill holes, but is this, do they have enough special players on the roster to sort of make up for in coaching
0: i mentioned you do the qb index every week right over at nfl.com ranking the quarterbacks do you remember where big ben where where did you fall on big ben's season last year and then my question about the steelers is (laughs) if you think he was as bad as we did isn't there a chance that mitchell trubisky and or kenny pickett can actually improve the quarterback play in pittsburgh as crazy as it seems no i
1: agree i think I think they should. I would say the baseline would be there probably be a little bit better than, than Roethlisberger was. I think I, when it was 32 a week and it was like the, like who, I think at the end of the year I did the who, who played the most amount of snaps, he couldn't have been higher than 27 off the top of my head. Yeah. I mean, Zach Wilson would have been behind him for sure. And there aren't, Darnell would have been behind him. And uh, uh, there aren't many that were for sure behind him other than that. Uh, I'm with you. And they coached around it pretty well.
0: Yeah, they had uh, to. Yep,
1: But I I don't trust my draft evaluations, but like Kenny Pickett doesn't get me too excited. um, Yeah.
0: I don't think any of them get anybody excited, which is why so many quarterbacks dropped. Want to finish up on the Ravens here. Any concerns with that receiving core or of all the teams in the NFL? It's like, hey, it's the Ravens. With the way they're going to run the ball, they don't need to have that third and fourth receiver. Uh, But even one and two, present massive question marks for the Ravens. Yeah, that's a con- it's a concern.
1: I I would have loved if they had signed Landry. Um I would love it if they signed OBJ. I've always felt like there's a little bit of value to be had in signing guys coming off of injuries, to two or three year deals yeah. and just like eat, eat that first half a year. OBJ is so obviously Uh, gonna help your team in some way and probably you could offer him the most amount of guaranteed money and spread it out a little bit if they do sign one more decent veteran and there's OBJ would certainly be at the top of the list but Will Fuller's out there like get him in this offense for sure like Julio Julio signing and getting 50 balls for 615 yards as like uh, a poor man's older Derek Mason would actually help this team so like they just need to sign someone right like wouldn't that help them because i like duvernay i think they like duvernay is the feel i get i think they probably see duvernay replacing uh, a higher percentage of
0: marquise brown than the average person could do. you think they like, like they, him as an they, they all-around see
1: him that he could maybe be 75 percent of marquise brown
0: I, sometimes i think um i i heard some you know anonymous executives say this you know if the the Ravens could draft a punter in the first round and everybody would say, oh, look at that genius team, the Baltimore. Yeah, that's just, that's the jealousy around the league. But I, I, I'm sure I'm guilty of that sometimes because I I went out and I said, Tyler Linda, Linderbaum, they signed a center that they're going to make into a playmaker. You know, they're going to get this guy in space and they're going to change their run game because of Tyler Linderbaum, like they're forward thinking. But that was my take on Duvernay a couple years ago. It's like, all right, if the Ravens are smart, they know they've got the regular run game down and they can run block and they've got Lamar. The next piece is trickeration and jet sweep game and all that stuff, and that's Duvernay, right? I mean he always felt like he was the the other playmaker that they were drafted to get the ball into his hands in space and kind of take the run game to the next level. And then I thought they draft Rashad Bateman and last year at this time they still had Sammy Watkins. They still had Marquise Brown. That should have been the best receiving core that they had along with Duvernay, right? But they don't necessarily anymore. to me the next iteration I mean, it looked of the like Ravens it for a minute for five games. I don't know
1: what happened there. And that
0: was even without Bateman doing anything right I mean there was a point where it's like this is the best receiving core that the Ravens have had this is what puts them this is what gets them over the hump right you can win games with the run you can win games now through the air I don't see them having the same ability to win purely through the air unless it's just you know like 2019 Lamar was very dependent on the tight ends and they just kind of go back to to that with the 15 tight ends that they have on the roster right now
1: Right. I, I struggled like writing down a third receiver. It would have been Tylon Wallace or James yeah. Proch. So I just put Nick Boyle because at this point, Nick Boyle is going to play more snaps. I would For certainly sure. project than, than those guys and just put two tight ends. I mean, that, that's a thing though. If, if they did sign an OBJ or let's even say a Will Fuller, or I don't know if he fits as much, but. Then, like, if you convince yourself that like Andrews is your one, Bateman's your two, whoever that person is is your three, well, and you're a your deep threat, team, you like, know,
0: F- Fuller's just like when you're going to run the ball that much and run play action, you know, you know, my Will Fuller takes. Get right, him on then that I the
1: then I don't then I don't hate this. Yeah, hate that group. I'm also probably biased because Lamar. You know, as a Patriots fan, I grew up a Patriots fan. I'm not, I'm not as big as one as I used to be, but like. They were someone who they were a team that annually going into the season wide receiver looked like their worst position uh, group on the roster and it often was and it didn't matter that much but that that's part of the the benefit of
0: having Tom Brady that's the, that's the Brady I was I was actually meant to ask you that I was gonna ask you what your fandom was growing up so was it where are you from again yeah I'm from western Massachusetts so I, I was oh, I a big Patriots fan growing up uh,
1: did I know I'm that have a, we talked about that? I, I I I'm um you know I saw I was through some bad years like the yeah. first game I went to uh Doug Flutie ran an end around against the Colts uh to win the game I think they won 6 games that year and when they won 6 games it was like so exciting like every win felt like a party Dick McPherson people like thought he was coach of the year like <laughs> it gave me a very different view of the NFL that like fans can be totally excited by six wins at least like at that point cuz win expectations are that low that like every win is a party was that back in 88 89 that was 88 i would have been like 9 years old then um so i by the time i got to high school they had parcels and, and right. blood
0: so and things started to uh turn around a little bit have we talked about you being from western mass i do a... no i don't think so cuz i'm from north I'm reading, reading on the you know the normal side of the state so how about that but I, I mean,
1: yeah, mine. There's a lot of like farms. You know, pe- yeah. people think if you're from Massachusetts, you're from Boston. Were you in like North uh,
0: Adams. Where are where the, where were you? Uh,
1: it was called Wilbraham, right next to Springfield. Oh, I know. know. Just like I know a girl from fruit, Wilbraham. A lot of fruit and turkey farms. Yeah, Wilbraham. Cows. Yeah, I know house. Home I, of Friendly's ice cream. You're going on the Mass Pike. That's
0: Home of Friendly, And yeah. There's a
1: big, you know, bushes, you know, shaved on the side of the. Uh, <laughs> i gotta be careful there i know you have the manscaped ad there um yeah it says like home of friendly's ice cream you know on the side that's how people know
0: friendlies is great i love it look at this what a connection here so you grew up yeah i I didn't jump i didn't jump on the patriots bandwagon because by the time i didn't i started watching football a little bit later by the time i wanted to start watching football all the patriots games were like blacked out because they were just you know they could never sell it out and you know the blackout rules and then Bledsoe kind of turned things around. Was
1: that me. a thing? I, I, Maybe I was far enough away that it didn't matter. I uh, like
0: Wilbraham. they gave you all the games. They felt bad for you. They just feel, put all feel, the games. I feel like
1: I got all the games.
0: I don't know. Back in like 90 to 92 and stuff like that. And there was, you know, 100 people at Foxborough Stadium. Anyway, we digress. So here's what I want to jump to. We haven't, we've talked one NFC team. That's, that's the nature of this year's NFL.
1: Right. And the Rams should have been in that mix. I certainly don't put them like behind the chargers, Broncos, Bengals, bolts, uh, like they're, they're in that group, in that
0: group. You an annual chargers believer here off season hype. We buy in, we all, we all drink the Kool-Aid every, every May, June, July. I I am last year. I think just like a
1: contrarian, part of me actually sort of dropped off last year relatively yeah like i was like "Ah, i think they're a borderline playoff team i'm not really buying into my usual charge and then that was right um as close to the border of the playoffs as you can
0: get yes they were now i'm totally back in yeah they've done they've done a really good job right i mean filling filling holes making splash moves and building around justin herbert while he's on the cheap a lot of good stuff there like why do you think their defense was so
1: disappointing though that was the thing i feel like people don't talk about a lot with the charges that like brandon staley took over for gus bradley the roster wasn't any worse
0: and they were worse yeah i mean i, I think the staley it, it's weird because i don't think anybody's removed any like genius labels from brandon staley because i, I know and there's the small little football twitter community and then there's like the analytics community little niche area i mean they're still all in on staley the dude's going for every single fourth down um the football nerd
1: too i think it's just like defense is hard and things happen and and but but they weren't good on defense they were they did not really play to their personnel i would say they underperformed a little bit
0: they got gashed against the run i mean every excuse i try to make with staley though it's like oh it was the first year system and all that stuff but it was all stuff that he did the previous year with the rams right he had first year implemented a new system and they were unbelievable in 2020. But I think it is the fickle nature of defense and the fact that they were just so weak. He didn't, not that Aaron Donald, you know, not that he just didn't know how to coach without Aaron Donald, but he went from having Aaron Donald in a decent defensive line to having a horrible defensive line where the idea of, hey, you know, invite the run here, you know, take your four yards. And teams were like, sure, we'll take seven. You know, that came back to bite, I think, and the Chargers certainly made a lot of moves to to tidy that up this year. So I'm looking forward to seeing what that looks like with Khalil Mack in there. I also think it's interesting that they have J.C. Jackson, Asante Samuel Jr., and, you know, just playmakers, dudes who can get the ball, turn it over, get more possessions. I can't wait to see what that looks like as far as the Chargers defense goes.
1: Yeah, J.C. J. Jackson, you know, I mean, I don't think he's, like, underrated for his, uh, you know, ball skills and anything. Like, that's what everyone knows him for, but they're pretty damn unique. I mean, yeah. if he it, he this seems like a perfect spot for him to – like, end up being quite high on the all-time interceptions list or certainly the interceptions list of the last 20 years while I've been covering football. Like, he's already getting there. He's, he's next to another guy, you know, next to the son of um, uh, Asante Samuel who who's up there, and, like, he's another one who's got good ball skills. Like, this, this defense should be fun. They'll probably end up giving up a lot of big plays. Kenneth Murray is a bit of a concern as a starter, yeah. but I like the – Free agents that they signed, Joseph Day, Austin Johnson, and you would think they'll get enough turnovers uh, with Jackson and, and Derwin playing together in, in Bosa, as long as Bosa is healthy.
0: There's there's still always this perception, too, that when players leave Bill Belichick, they just, like, crumble. And, you know, Asante Samuel had good years, a senior, right? He had good years post-Patriots, right, with the Eagles and everything, right? With, uh, you know, made plays on the ball and all that stuff. So... The fact that the Patriots let J.C. Jackson walk, are they over there saying, oh, he's a product of our system. We built it. We Because even like Malcolm Butler, who's now back in New England, he had a couple decent years after leaving. It's not like every single player who leaves New England is terrible, but is there any concern with that, with the J.C. Jackson, when you sign him to a huge deal?
1: Not a ton, although it's a different system, so that it does worry you a little bit. But I would say he was unquestionably the best cornerback that they developed since I mean I would put him ahead of Asante yeah um i since the 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 early days, I mean he improved every single season, I think he's like more physical than people think like yeah he 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 got so much better like as a cover corner and doing the small things I think they wanted to keep him, they just wanted to pay him like fourteen million dollars a year, and the chargers were willing to pay him seventeen it's not like they weren't extending i i don't know why they didn 't tag him though they just I don't know they make
0: they make curious decisions it's funny a lot of the studies I was doing this offseason on our um, draft grades and measurables and all these things that translate at the NFL level like JC Jackson might be the biggest outlier according to those numbers as far as if you looked at his college profile from a production standpoint from a measurable standpoint everything's bad there's nothing that really? says really yes everything i that...
1: thought he just didn't get drafted because of his uh off-field stuff which was which was uh, you know it was understandable he shouldn't have been drafted and, but, and that sort of doesn't get talked about with him but right like, since he's been a pro it seemed uh, that surprises me
0: yeah it's just it, i i know that he was he was hyped up in college and and all that stuff but as far as like on-field production it wasn't great and mm. his workout actually wasn't great like we we sit there in in march in like you know go through all the oh his arm length it's only 31 i mean he's got 31 and a half inch arms he's got below average arm length like all these things that like cross people off the list he's crossed off every list by these numbers wow. he's so for for us well, he's
1: like the ultimate eye test guy i mean and yeah mostly you're gonna probably lose on those guys i guess uh but man he is an eye test guy in the NFL I just feel like you can see it I love cornerback play I love watching the secondary and yeah. like as a Patriots fan like who who they came that's how they really announced themselves with was playing the secondary like he's the best guy that they've developed in, in the last 15 years
0: yeah and that's me agreeing with you right saying yeah. like coming right. out of college as a prospect nothing said he should hit the fact that the Patriots developed him into what he is I think is is really impressive um I want to talk a little bit about when we're talking best rosters, we haven't mentioned the, the Packers. We haven't mentioned the Chiefs and both of those teams. Uh, and we haven't mentioned last year's AFC number one seed, the Tennessee Titans. We make it a point to never forget the Titans. We always remember them here. So though, to me, this is the biggest storyline in the NFL, the impact of wide receiver one. We're going to learn okay. a lot of stuff. With Tyreek Hill, Devontae Adams, and A.J. Brown moving on, where do you stand in this whole debate? The Chiefs, the Packers, and the Titans moving on from what I think have been absolute Mm. massive force multipliers. And now it's like, yeah, the Chiefs have lost a little luster. So have the Packers. And, you know, the Titans, for whatever they are, I don't think they were the best real team in the AFC last year, but they're going to lose A.J. Brown. Where do you stand on. The losses there, and then the additions for the teams that picked up those players.
1: Well, those three are so different. Like, I the Packers should have been in that in that group of the best rosters. Like, I'm not that worried about the Packers because I think their defense looks great, and just about every position group other than wide receiver looks good to great. So, I'm not worried about them. The Chiefs, I'm not that worried about either because any offense with with Mahomes and and Reed and and Kelsey, I'm I'm ultimately not that worried about. I think they have enough. Uh, but how the league changed i think it was like the most transformational offseason i've ever seen yeah i think i think even just cuz we just did it i think people are like too afraid to be you know in the moment and recency bias It's like no the nfl totally changed this offseason yeah like i th- i think forever you know not just the whole idea of how you're evaluating receivers but the this trend towards trades which I feel like I've been talking about forever, but I, I, maybe it was a little too early because it wasn't really happening. Like the Eagles and the Patriots, when they played in the Super Bowl, they were the most trade-heavy teams in the league. I remember talking a lot. Of, like They had made like 10 or 11 trades in the previous year or two, and it was the most of any teams, and the Rams were behind them. and But these were like secondary players. They were improving their team for the most part on the margins. And now the NFL's totally embraced um, that that's maybe a better or easier way to improve your roster than free agency or or equal to with the draft. And um, the quarterback, I did not see it coming though, that the wide receivers would be getting valued that much, like that much ahead of cornerback, like really that much ahead of pass rusher. Um, And I I don't know what to say about it. I think it's a case by case scenario. I think the Titans are going to get hit hard because the, Packers and Chiefs have so much else, and they have the quarterback. Especially, I think it wasn't a crazy team-building idea to do what they did. Uh, like, I don't come down that they're just like idiots or anything, but I, I, I'm sort of fascinated by it.
0: Yeah, my theory on it is we, we sit here and we're like, all right, how do you get a top eight quarterback? I think every NFL analyst is going to agree. Your top eight quarterbacks, your top ten quarterbacks, whatever your cutoff is, is is a massive advantage, right? And we're coming out of an era where it was pretty clear who those guys were and a lot of them are gone now. Um, And I think we're getting back to like, okay, we top eight to 10. If you have one of those guys, you have a huge advantage. The teams that don't have that advantage though, you know, like where's the net, where's the drop off, right? Where's the point where the wide receiver one is is actually more important than the quarterback just because the next tier of quarterbacks is not completely interchangeable but much closer to Mm. interchangeable, right? So... Uh, In other words, like Sam and I have done this exercise where it's like rank, um, how many quarterbacks do you take before you take the number one receiver, right? Uh, Or how many quarterbacks do you take before you take the number one coach? Because you just mentioned, maybe there's only five coaches that make an impact, right? So you might take like eight quarterbacks and then you take Belichick and Andy Reid and John Harbaugh, whoever you want to put in that group, right? And then the rest of the quarterbacks are there, right? But I think receiver, Mm. I think the NFL is saying, well, if I don't have a top eight to 10 quarterback, Right, And the difference between QB 11 and 20 is marginal. The only way I can maximize this dude is with the Tyree Killers, with the Devontae Adams. And we're going to see that, right? Like if Derek Carr puts up MVP numbers and Aaron Rodgers becomes Derek Carr, right, it goes back the other way statistically, we're going to realize the impact of Devontae Adams. And same thing with Tyree Kill, right? I mean, we're going to learn a lot this year. And yet it's like tricky because I think Adams could easily have
1: 1,270 yards and eight touchdowns, and the Raiders could be somewhat disappointing as a team, and he still might be providing that force multiplier value that you're talking about. True. It's just like there's every, there's so much else going on in that team and the division that's working against them, and then people are going to, like, hit, hit you with the narratives. I'm with you, and I just think people, like, over – one of the things I really believe that in terms of team building is people really overrate the, like – uh, it's hard to win when you got that, you know, second quarterback contract on. And I think you can extend yeah. that to whatever this contract's going to, you know, whatever it is for Tyree Kill and Devontae Adams. Like, you know, you're getting value out of those guys. There's so much wasted money on every team's cap every year, not just dead money. And by the way, like the Raiders, have, I'm looking at, and I have $23 million in, in dead money. So yeah. that's almost as much as Devontae Adams is making. But also like Chandler Jones is going to make, uh you know an average of twenty plus million on the cap. That's a much bigger risk to me. Uh right. Colton Miller, whatever you sign Colton Miller for, like that that's a lot. Whatever like Kenyon Drake, all these guys, like if you add up like the cap hits, those are the bigger issues. And people are always like, it's it's hard to do in that quarterback contract. It's like, no, I I'm I feel like if you're a smart team that can develop and make good moves, you gotta have some faith in yourself like the Rams do that like just add good players and yeah. if you have a good coaching staff and make good decisions on the rest of it, you can develop and figure out the rest.
0: That's kind of my take on the Titans, right? I mean, I I again I'm an AJ Brown wide receiver one believer. I I feel like AJ Brown has had more to do with Ryan Tannehill's career resurgence than Derrick Henry or just moving to Nashville, right? I think it's I think it's mm. AJ Brown. And we're gonna again, we'll learn that mm. information maybe more about it this year. But I look at the rest of the Titans' roster and they're giving over $10 million a year to Zach Cunningham, Kevin Byard, who's awesome, but Bud Dupree, Harold Landry, Derrick Henry, uh, Robert Woods at 16, like all these other guys. When it's like, man, I, I don't think night one of the draft, I'm the one player that I would want on my roster after night one of the draft that, that was moved was A.J. Brown. Like that's the guy that I would want, even with the $25 million. And it's right, like, I mean, Dupree's, Dupree's cap
1: number is 20.
0: It's yeah, like, come on, Taylor Lewan. Who's you know, it made sense? I think when they
1: signed him to that contract, but it hasn't really worked out. Right, um, he's at fifteen. Like, it's I crazy. get it. I think they just got caught flat-footed. I yeah. just think they got caught not seeing this coming, and that's part of what I mean that this has never happened before. I I can sort of understand it. Receivers have never agitated to get out like before their fourth year before the draft. Right, like, really, the biggest right. thing that happened was they really applied pressure early in the off season, which it, it was a little different than like, I'm going to hold out in camp. That would have been one thing, but then it got them thinking. And I think the Titans had already spent all their money. They might not be a team that spends as much cash as other teams. Some teams are trying harder than others and spending more money than others. And I would not put the Titans high on that list of like, they could have made it work with AJ Brown. Um, and I think they got caught flat and they had like no money left. And they just, did the best deal they thought they could it was stupid
0: we spoke off air you told me to like treat you like sam so i'll just treat you Please. like we're just having a conversation and i'm just going to go down my rabbit holes and everything and go off off topic here but um we did have rick spielman on the show on thursday and i i asked him the very important question what happens when kyler murray deletes his arizona cardinals instagram mentions mm-hmm. like what happens in the organization like you call in the social media director in and he basically said yes like you Like when you talked about AJ Brown, like they've changed the math on this thing. The fact that players are uh taken to Instagram to voice their their displeasure and doing it a year earlier than they would from a contract standpoint that is a big difference in this whole thing, right? Because you like to play team builder, we're doing it right now, I like to play it, but like we can't anticipate dude who's under contract now wants to get paid you know 15 times as much, and you probably should do it. And if you don't do it, you got to trade them. Um, because t- players are taking Instagram more, players are t- you know doing it a year earlier, and they're doing it at these high-value positions, and then you know teams have to adjust, right? Like, the Cardinals weren't... Like, they were probably planning on, yeah, we'll, we'll extend Kyler Murray, but a year from now, and then they have to do it now. Right. And the I think the Titans, though, should have been a little better
1: prepared. Sure. <laughs> I mean, because this was the offseason that they needed to pay A.J. Brown. And ultimately, if you went back to before the Robert Woods trade, I just believe that they wouldn't make that trade if they had known A.J. Brown was trying to get out. Like, they're looking at Woods like it's a number two, and they were in a spot where they didn't have any cap space left. The thing is, though, they could have figured out a way to make more cap space if they really wanted to. Like, if if the whole goal was to make the 2022 Titans team the best possible, they could have just spent more money. And I think that's the part where, like, that doesn't get talked about a lot and and maybe it wouldn't even have been the smart move and that's like long term to push derrick henry's money into the future taylor it it probably wouldn't have so i'm not saying like that's even what they should have done but they could have found a way to keep aj brown is is my point and they didn't and uh i want to believe that ryan Tannehill's resurgence um can like stick a little more because like i feel like he played better last year than his numbers showed and i've always i've always thought he was pretty good i did this exercise and 2012, the first year I did QB index, actually, it wasn't watching every quarterback. It was just watching the class of 2012 on coaches' film every week. So that was Andrew Luck, RG3, Tannehill, Russell Wilson. Nick Foles got in there for a, a minute. Brandon Whedon was the fifth uh, first round. So I like watched every one of those snaps all year. And I was just like, eh, this guy can play. This yeah. guy is a close to a league average starting quarterback as a rookie. Um, And he finally,
0: finally got there above that, you know, once he got, we, we were always pegged as like Tannehill apologists. And it was in part because it felt like, um, well, there was one year I had to like explain why Ryan Tannehill was our highest graded quarterback. I was like, it's week two. Right, and they're like, you think Ryan Tannehill's the best quarterback in the NFL? Like, no, he's just the highest graded through week two. Like, it's like two weeks into the baseball season. You think this is a 450 hitter? Like, no, he's hitting 450 right now, and it's going to go down. You know, Um, but we were always pegged as Tannehill apologists because, yeah, he did grade comparable for us, uh, comparable to Andrew Luck uh, in those in those early years. He was uh, Tannehill. I mean, at least rookie season, I think, because Luck turned it over so much. But Luck had a different play style, where you just you knew you could put more on Luck. Luck had more on his plate. That's where you have to kind of like adjust for what they're dealing with.
1: Tannehill's never totally had the feel for the position, which is probably a hard thing to grade and quantify. Right. But it's just sort of clear that he doesn't process and make decisions as quickly as the best quarterbacks tend to. But he's got some other pretty great traits, which is like he he has pretty good pocket movement he stands in there like he throws a pretty ball he's pretty accurate like for the most part he he does some things well and he got buried for that game but they like the you know that's that reminded me of the Seahawks lost to the Cowboys in the playoffs where they just like insisted on running the ball
0: um, even though it wasn't working the whole time even like Tannehill's last interception I don't even I, I forget the exact play but I don't think it was on him right wasn't it it was tipped up or whatever it was. Now that
1: uh, said, I I did try to like write down the quarterback tiers and stuff and Tannehill's probably not. He's re- in that top 11-12 that
0: that you talked about. He's probably right on the borderline of the next the next guys. That's a good transition. they a good segue right there, Greg, into uh quarter do you have any other rosters though that you wanted to uh to hit on? Your best rosters in the NFL? I think I
1: kind of hit that. The the Cardinals were a little worse, you know, than I thought. Um no, I'm, I'm good. The Dolph Dolphins like gets to that point, uh, that I was talking about before that, like, they don't really have a lot of excuses not to be good. They look pretty darn good. If they can coach offensive line to be average, like in the saints are another one that where I do think people are tired of the saints, but that's like a, that's a pretty great looking roster for the most part. If the, as, assuming they get something out of Michael Thomas, which is a pretty big if I,
0: I like the teams that just have such an extreme strategy whether it's the Rams never, you know, picking in the first round, whether it's the Saints always seemingly in cap hell, but finding a way to get new players, trading up five times essentially to get Chris a and all of that stuff, and then seeing how it works out.
1: If you had told me that Tom and then now Gail Benson would be thought of as, like, the <laughs> owners who go to the mat and, like, do everything possible financially and, like, to, to put the best team and, like, chase after that 11th win and stuff. Like, if you had told me that 15, 20 years ago, I would have never believed it. Yeah. Like, they were known as some of the worst, cheapest owners in sports. They tried to move the team to San Antonio after Katrina happened, like, which people conveniently forget. And, like, now it's like, I I I know there's probably smarter teams out there, but if I was a Saints fan, it's like – I'll take it. I'll take that they're like doing all this voodoo and and trying to win every year. I'll take trying to win 11 games when you don't have a chance to win the title. Life is too short to just be like like rebuilding i just don't see rebuilding like working that well in the nfl like you can do both at once
0: so. yeah and the the saints kind of play to their strengths right i mean we always talk about how uh teams aren't good at drafting or you know historically and it's like well the saints have kind of bucked that trend you know and because they've been able to buck that trend they've been able to get away with some of that stuff or just lean into that strength by being able to trade up to go get specific players or whatever it might be so um saints rams the extremes the Patriots like they're always just fast the Patriots now without Tom Brady right you learn a lot about Belichick and the system and how much was Tom and how much wasn't and all that stuff I and mean, you just you learn a lot that's what that's what the NFL is about here Greg where, learning where are you at on Mac not to you know lead you into the next thing here but on Mac Jones cause,
1: yeah because because I heard because I've heard some like a couple different podcasts or some, some on Twitter it's like redrafting like those quarterbacks you know the two 2000- thousand. 21 quarterbacks might have been your coworker renner i you know who i'm a, who I'm a fan of but it, I, I can't remember it's like and people are still keeping zach wilson over mac jones and maybe i'm showing my fandom here but it's like what are we talking about doesn't doesn't the one year in the nfl matter like three times as much as whatever you thought you knew about players in college that's sort of where i'm at Jeff. yeah
0: i'm i'm kind of i'm with you there um so I think Mac Jones is good. I think he's a guy you can win with. You know, the the question's always going to be top eight, top ten. Like, is he is he that guy? But we, I think we, I think we look at upside. I don't. I just don't know. I'm going to talk myself in circles here. Coming off of Josh Allen, Justin Herbert, Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, tapping into incredible physical skill sets in in getting into their you know getting close to their upside may have skewed our perception that you can also reach your upside being on the Drew Brees, Tom Brady type of spectrum, which is what Mac Jones is. Now, he's not as good as those guys necessarily, but can he get – I mean, he's certainly better uh, through one season. Yeah, it's, it's what it's worth, it, I know, but it's so tough to compare <laughs> 2021 to 01. No, that you're stuff. right; it's it, impossible. It, but he reminds really
1: me is. more of Rivers, actually, than almost any quarterback since. Uh, certainly, a little more mobile than Rivers, but yeah, and like that's a pretty high ceiling. Like, yeah. if you told me that's a borderline Hall of Fame ceiling, that's that to me. He has a little. He has a lot higher ceiling than I think. I, I mean, I would expect a little more Mac Jones hype. You know, I'm surprised. No,
0: I I, I I could see because he's good. It's just it's I think it's tough for analysts to get behind. Well, he knows the offense really well and people think, well, that won't get better. When actually it's like, well, yeah, it will. Like you'll you'll run the offense faster and faster and you'll make, you know, like against the Colts, Mac Jones had two or three just terrible throws that essentially blow the game for them, right? Like late to the flat and just kind of lollipops him in and this and that. Like he'll cut down on some of those because he'll continue to grow within the offense. So Mac Jones is a good quarterback that you can win with. Is the bottom line, I think people are still expecting the upside play of a Zach Wilson, of a Trevor Lawrence, of a Justin Fields. And because of all that, Mac Jones gets forgotten when he was by far the best rookie quarterback last year.
1: Right. And I and I think I just think his ceiling why wouldn't it be a top 8 quarterback? Like It can be. Why like why wouldn't you think that some like throwing the ball accurately where you intend to and making quick decisions is like a huge skill set. Like, why wouldn't, why couldn't that improve? Uh, And I'm just like, now that you've seen 500 snaps of it at the NFL, Zach Wilson was one of the worst rookie quarterbacks I've ever seen. Yeah. Like that, I don't like I, your evaluation throw your evaluation out.
0: Oh, this whole twenty-one class. I mean, even throwing Trey Lance in there too. It's like I get it, you know. Um, personally, yeah, like,
1: I don't feel as strong about. It. It's more just like it feels like he has the Zach he, Mac Mac has a high ceiling, and Zach showed enough that like you have to be
0: there are very
1: concerned. Very concerned that you're like ho- Like, what is your hope that he's going to be average this year? Which would be
0: great if he was I, an average quarterback. I really think the way the NFL has gone the last three or four years, because of the quarterbacks who have broken out into superstardom has skewed the Mac Jones perception a little bit. I thought, that, I thought that during the draft process, people underrated Mac Jones during the during the draft process. And yeah, the fact that he I, came I out of like Alabama and, we, homer, and they I said... I really sound like a homer
1: here, though, just talking about Mac Jones the whole time. I think the thing, too, is like people got to really have an incredible degree of difficulty sliding scale for all rookie quarterbacks. Anytime there's a rookie quarterback that's league average-ish... I just sort of assume well that guy's gonna have a great career like worst case scenario if you could be league average as a rookie you're gonna be great and if you're better than that like a herbert or murray then you're gonna have an even greater career but like if you can be where mac jones was which i would say was a little better than league average like
0: you're gonna be is he gonna be kirk cousins right i mean is he also gonna be that guy who's like right on the borderline where it's like he's He's definitely good enough to win with, but like, are we really going to win a championship with him? I would say that would be a right? pretty
1: disappointing outcome because
0: I feel like he's sort of there really? as a rookie. Oh, I don't know um, that. I mean, Cousins is good. Cousins is good, but lacking whatever it is to just go and, and win games. I don't know. There's a, lot of, there's a lot of things pointing in Mac Jones' favor, too. I, I, I got into that whole like joint practice last year with the Giants. You know, they're all he was, you know, 56 for 63 against the Giants starters. I'm like, "Oh, that's it. That's it. He's awesome." And but like that you actually saw some of that on the field. Last year, let's see when they put more on his plate this his year. High end, his high end yes, high end was was quite high like in actual NFL games. Yeah. That's all. Okay. I think let's see when they put more on his plate because that is what the difference is with the Cousins or a Tannehill um and that's what made Tom Brady so special, right? Like there were points and Brady's like second year as a starter they're like oh we're gonna throw the ball 26 straight times to start the game who cares about the run we trust Tom Brady
1: I I feel like they did put a lot on his plate ultimately there were some a a few game plans a little like that they were playing like hurry up like he was calling a lot more protections and stuff like that for a rookie than almost any rookie I've seen so I I feel like that got a little overrated
0: too they did run the ball quite he also had a game where he threw the ball three times Right. I mean, he
1: had some clunkers. Every yeah.
0: rookie's going to have some clunkers. Yeah. And, anyway. uh, and there were some bad ones. Where's Mac Jones fall in the QB index? Two? Right. Right um, behind Patrick Mahomes? No,
1: I have him in that third. I have him like in a third tier. Obviously, you can tell I'm optimistic. Uh, so that would be in like the 13 to 18 range. And Mac Jones Hill... or Drew Bledsoe. Who would you take? Who? Wait, Mac Jones or Drew Bledsoe? Or Drew Bledsoe. Who, who's going to have a better career? Yeah. I would take Mac Jones. Ooh. I mean, right. um, it's a tough one. <laughs> I mean, I certainly, if you had asked me two years into Drew Bledsoe's
0: career, I would have taken Drew Bledsoe. Oh, man, the hype. The hype with Bledsoe is incredible. All right, so, yeah, let's go your top quarterback tier. Who are the best quarterbacks in the NFL? Um, in This is basically in no particular order, but I would
1: go Mahomes- Herbert, Allen, Brady, rodgers in some order, depending on what you're, like, depending on the
0: parameters of what you're asking for, those would be the five. No Joe Burrow versus Herbert. Burrow versus Herbert debate. This is very intense. This is, this is important here. Herbert over Burrow for you? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I mean, that's where maybe
1: I'm like the NFL falling into that. It, it's not by much. And Burrow... I, I should probably put him up one. What What would you? Would you put him in there?
0: Yeah, I think I'm, – I'm, I'm usually of the mind I need one more year of evidence for a lot that's of probably, these That's probably
1: – that's all it is, is that yeah. Herbert's played two years, and I was so convinced of how good he would be
0: after one, but wanted to see one more yeah. and then saw it, that I'm like, okay. And the physical stuff. I needed to see one oh, more goodness. year of Elite Josh Allen before I apologized. I needed to see one more year of Elite-ish Justin Herbert, you know, in, in – and honestly, that's where I, I really thought that the NFL was going to transition to not having a top eight, clear-cut quarterback world. But maybe we are. I think we are getting a more defined list of top. Well, I think it's so deep. Eight. I mean, the, I,
1: I don't think there's ever been a time where there's this many teams that feel pretty good about their quarterbacks. No, I I, agree. I think that the top yeah. twelve or so is pretty deep. Like your Burrow should be there. I'm going to get um, Bengals fans. He, he should be there, but you just want to... They're banging down the walls index Like throughout the first half of last season when his numbers were good, not great, like I had him in the top eight to ten the whole time. I was like, he's already a top ten quarterback. Yeah. I'm kind of stunned by it. I was not expecting it. He was there the whole year. It wasn't just like him playing better at the end. If anything, I would say his worst stretch of play, if you could call it that, was... Was in the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't bad. It wasn't bad, but I would say he was even
0: better before that. But they, when we talk about like Mac Jones and putting more on his plate, like there was definitely a line where the Bengals said, "Okay, Joe Burrow, go win games for us. Right, we're going to drop back fifty times, and he's throwing for five hundred yards and all that stuff in their biggest games." You know, I think that's going back to the Mac Jones debate, or like even a Ryan Tannehill discussion, or a Kirk Cousins discussion that's what you want to see right if you're gonna believe in this guy and you're in you you have a quarterback that's going to be the reason why you win I think Burrow's already proven that right Herbert's already proven that we've gotten these these guys have proven that they're at that level that they'll be the reason why you win and I think the Bengals kind of like you know just let it, let them they unleashed Burrow down the stretch last year and he had some of those big games so Man, I forget
1: which that. game it was. I almost felt like there was like a part in one game where that was the case. It might have been the 49ers' loss, actually. Um, where they, they didn't they the defense didn't finish the job, but you're right. At a at a certain point, they handed it over to him. And even partly that Chargers game where they ended up getting blown out, but like they just let him go and and uh like he wants he makes you want to believe that any mild um, shortcomings he has physically doesn't matter anyways because I was so wrong about his arm strength going into last year like it got it got better people's arms can get better
0: oh did you get did you get caught up in some of like you know the 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 Twitter folks were uh, making fun of Joe's arm I don't think it was like it's I was just like a Cody little skeptical
1: Kessler. of like the ceiling. Yeah, coming off and at least just for last year, coming off a torn ACL, and I was had a little concern about the like outside throws as a rookie. Like that combination, I figured wasn't going to be great, and he
0: proved that wrong pretty quick. Yeah, well, him, him, and Mac Jones have good timing, anticipation, and accuracy outside the numbers. I think it makes up for for the arms not being as good. So, how big is your second tier of quarterbacks then? Because I always use top eight. I have
1: Joe, and this would be – this is some sort of – Joe would have been first in that. Yeah. um, Sort of borderline. And then I also have Lamar, Dak, uh, Kyler, Stafford, whatever you're doing with Watson, if we're including him in there, he's in there somewhere probably closer to the front just on skill, and
0: then Russell Wilson too. And Russell Wilson. And then you put – and then I assume that next border – involves like the Kirk Cousins and Derek Carr's of the world. Yeah. The next one is
1: then Derek Carr, Cousins, Mac, Tannehill. You have to deal with Trevor Lawrence here somewhere. I don't really know what to do with with him. He's gotta he's earn a it sort of just put to him to me in he's this. like a wait and see, but yeah. if you were just like starting a team, I still
0: get the idea that he would be more valuable than some of these guys. Yeah i think that's fair and so maybe that's what's changed about the nfl again i keep referencing this like 10 to 15 year period where the top eight quarterbacks i think were were pretty clear you know especially in hindsight when it's like brady breeze manning rogers in their own world and then you know say Locke, wilson rivers ryan roethlisberger like it was a pretty am i miss, missing one or two maybe but the top eight to ten i think was pretty clear and yeah, then I would, Stafford I, I was like know, that border. I was doing this these silly rankings like every year I
1: can go back and look at like you know Stafford where Stafford has bounced around. Sometimes yeah. he was in the
0: back end of the top 10, sometimes sure. he was more like 13 to 15, you know. And I think even just like looking at our grades when you go back and look at that decade or so, it's like he's QB11. Stafford's QB11, right in this in his era. Cam Newton was always middle of the pack, right? There was a, but there was a but there was a pretty clear cut like this is the top eight. This is the top nine or ten, whatever it was. I think we're starting to uh, define that now for the next era because as, as of a couple of years ago, we were waiting for those a big chunk of those guys to retire or regress, and it was like, okay, who's going who's gonna to be next besides Mahomes? And I think we're starting to see that with Herbert and Burrow and Josh Allen now putting back-to-back years together, and Dak has taken his game to the next level, I think, over the last two-plus years. So I think the top 12 to 14 quarterbacks might be the strong to your point I think maybe the strongest that group has been for a long time. Right, if
1: Carr and Cousins and and like Matt Ryan right now are middle of the pack, that's that's pretty strong to me. And the top end is so, like those two games from Josh Allen, it's almost good that they lost cuz like i'll just always remember those two games as like about
0: as high level quarterback play as stupid. as i've ever seen stupid good i mean but then then you start to think well what if he had two more of those you know then that's like it's up like 89 montana's yeah, then run he, then and he's like stuff. nick Foles 2017 <laughs> nick Foles, nick Foles two game stretch in the playoffs is still i was at
1: both connection. of those games and like that i feel like it it's not like it gets slept on but it's like uh, if you look at his six best throws in each one of those
0: games, I mean, it really – you couldn't be better. You really couldn't have Unreal. played any better. It's its like, what, what? why are we even podcasting right here? Like, why are we even talking about what's going to happen in the season when Nick Foles could come out of nowhere and then play like a Hall of Fame quarterback for two for two games and win the Super Bowl? That's what I felt like coming out of that, you know? Can't predict yeah. anything. I, I mean, I was a Patriots
1: fan watching um, – watching uh, brady's like best super bowl performance end up in a loss to nick Foles, weirdly um so yeah it was it was pretty stunning but you sort of have to just hand it to him that was a
0: fun team that was a fun eagles team that eagles team was was incredible like it, it's the team i always point to that um for the nfl folks that are always like you gotta win in the trenches i'm like the eagles have won in the trenches for 10 straight years and then the one year where they were so good at receiver and corner they won the super bowl and had That's Carson That's the one
1: left. team I wish I mentioned in the rosters by the way cuz the Eagles are loaded this year the, in the trenches again again there's no re- like they could be a super bowl caliber type of team if things really broke right their rosters great Hertz Hertz was a tough guy on the quarterbacks of where to put cuz if he's just like a little better than last year like he belongs in that tier um with Carr and Cousins and
0: Ryan. Yeah. I just want to
1: see it again. It's a different style of play, certainly, right. but
0: he was quite effective. Hurts is a tough one because I think his style is in that, the quarterback that holds the ball too long bucket, which is, which ranges from Aaron Rodgers and Russell Wilson to like Ryan Tannehill to Tyrod to like, this is Justin Fields, right? Holds the ball too long, probably scrambles a little bit, but because teams embrace the quarterback running game and the fact that Jalen Hurts can just go out and rush for six or 700 yards and 10 touchdowns in a year brings a ton of value that offsets maybe pass game deficiencies I think so well but also it also makes the pass game easier like they right. were absolutely Ravens
1: south north where is Philly compared to Baltimore north might be lot uh, I mean it, I feel like just people watch that playoff game and didn't watch a lot of the 1 p.m. Eagles starts in right hertz was rock solid including as a passer in a lot of those like that i i really think he doesn't need to be better for them to win the east necessarily or win 11 games and if he is better which is quite possible he improved a lot i think since college and since his rookie year then
0: they're a contender and they're a yeah. title contender i it's i still can't get over it was like night and day when tua took over for him at alabama It was like here's this pretty good alabama passing offense and then tua came in and it's like wow now it's fast and it's efficient and it's explosive and it just tua was such a much better it seemed seemingly a much better college player than jalen hurts but then hurts even when he had another opportunity and he went to oklahoma he did get better you know he did improve and uh, for me, sometimes it's tough to like wrap my head around that. Where I'm maybe a, I'm an
1: adult and I take Saturdays off. Uh, you know, I've got kids. You've got even more kids. Oh, I, I can't watch. Yeah, them. I got. The I four. just ignore college football and then just yeah. evaluate it once they get to the pros. Um, and for the most part, I don't. I don't think that hurts.
0: No, that's and that's fine. I've had to. Uh, Saturday's my one off day now, so I do have to hang out with the kids. Now, if they want to watch some college football as they get mm-hmm. older, I'm not going to argue. Mm-hmm. But generally, we're like apple picking or something now. You know, we got. Uh, fall activities now with the kids any other hot takes you want to drop here on the pff nfl podcast wow
1: you're just like opening for hot takes. well i don't want to Nan to be to be mad the next group would have been like Jameis, hurts baker wherever he um lands to a. I'm sort of taking Fields and Mills and Trevor Lawrence out a little bit, but they would they would be somewhere in here. We just haven't seen yeah. much. I mean, the, their potential would be higher, um, but we just want to see a little more.
0: We 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 kind of as a company, um, I didn't do any of the writing, but we did. You know, it's off season list season, right? So here's your top 32 quarterbacks, and we, we're ranking right. everything. We did a little bit copped out a little bit this year, and we we put them into like neat little named tiers. And so the Fields, Wilson, it's like the, oh, it's the year two. We'll see what happens tier, you know, like whatever yeah. we called it, you know, and it's like it doesn't have to be this one to 32 list now. We can cop out and say, yeah, we don't know. We need more information. You can do what you want. Okay. I like that. But I
1: also would think that like Davis Mills now is like in that mix. He has. To. I don't know. I, I, I sort of feel like I would rather
0: have Davis Mills than Zach Wilson. I don't know. If oh, that's dude, a... I don't you're think all that's out.
1: a hot take, though. You're
0: so out on Zach Wilson, huh? I have this, like, he was, like, pretty good as a freshman, but he didn't break out until late. I have this unsubstantiated theory that players might develop similarly in college as they do Hmm. in the NFL. I have not backed it up at all. But, like, there might be, like, slow starters in college that eventually figure it out who also do the same thing in the NFL. I think you'd be banking on that for Zach Wilson. He wasn't bad as a freshman or anything like that, but he was good. You know, he's fine but he didn't like like when I, when I first saw Jameis Winston play football I was like whoa this red shirt freshman is awesome he's going to be a number one overall pick Andrew Locke, he'll be a number one overall pick um with Zach Wilson it's like oh he's a pretty good quarterback and then he progressed and looked awesome by his last year maybe there's something to that
1: absolutely and some guys like top picks Eli Alex Smith come to mind as just I mean, people forget how bad Eli was as a rookie. I know Alex really. Smith was one of the worst NFL player, like worst NFL quarterbacks possible. He was on the worst possible situation in a group right. of quarterbacks where they were all that bad. So it was certainly the team too. Uh, and then second year, they both immediately were like league average or close to yeah. it. And
0: it was like, okay, these guys are solid. But, and so but Alex Smith didn't become do that. good until what? year five. Like Alex Smith wasn't actually good until maybe like no, year five. But he
1: had one. It, it, it's a little misleading. He had a weird career arc because his. Year two with North Turner, he was pretty good that year. I yeah. mean, he was league average. it's right. like, okay, this guy's going to be fine. This is not going to be someone I feel bad about that. He, you know, he got taken twenty three picks ahead of Rodgers and all this stuff. Uh, and then he kind of fell off again for two or three more years until right, right. Harbaugh showed up because North Turner got a job. Everyone was like, "Oh wow, North Turner fixed Alex Smith. Let's go uh, give him a job again." That must have been Dallas. <laughs> That's right. um, But I just think like not to ramble a little bit. It's like, do it. I just feel like that Mills like the tape you saw in 10 games in the NFL should matter a lot. He looked pretty like he looked like he had a lot going on that they got, they got made fun of a little bit for that pick. And that's going to turn into one of the best third round picks in that draft, if not the best, I mean, it has a chance to be a total steal. And if he ends
0: up being like a m- mediocre starting quarterback, that's like an amazing third round. Pick. Uh, our own guy, Mike Renner was one of the people that made fun of him. And Mike, Mike was wrong. Like, I, I don't think and it I didn't happens. I mean I think I didn't love the pick because they didn't have any other picks and I probably got caught up in like man this roster is so bad they just need players right and they're, they'll like they will figure out quarterback later but I'm the other part of me also says there's never a bad pick on a quarterback like I think Kellen Mond the third round pick is also a good pick even if he can't even see the field because the payout is inc- like the payout of a Davis Mills if he does become a league average year two quarterback. That payout is incredible for a he third rounder. He has some tools-y
1: things though too. It's yeah. not like he's without talent. Sure. He
0: reminds me a little of Tannehill too. Like yeah. Well, he also would have been if he went back. To, I, I think he probably came out a year early. Like if he went back to Stanford and played football, right. are we talking about Davis Mills and Kenny Pickett as the two first round picks this this past year? Yeah, probably. He, potentially with the way this quarterback class went. So it's not it's not that crazy. Was that your hot take? Do you have anything else? I don't, I mean, I didn't know I had to come with like one
1: final oh, yeah. uh, hot take. I'm looking at the rest of these. i uh, put you on the
0: spot. Here's, and it's just like picking
1: on, you know, Sam Darnold or Carson Wentz. It's Poor Sam. What if Sam figures it out here? What if he's the next Rich Gannon? Just Man. figures it out. I mean, him, I think they'll end up with Mayfield, which is hilarious. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Just because they were they already were willing to trade for him and they've kind of made it clear they're still willing to add a quarterback to that room so they'll probably end up with him um but this whole idea i've seen sort of like this notion it's like well baker and sam like you know you have two guys like those are not the two same guys one of one of them is one of the least productive quarterbacks of the last 40 years in sam darnold and one of them is a guy who's had some pretty high highs and pretty low lows but he's had some high highs at least
0: where do you stand on baker then is that i mean because i think you summed it up right I, I I always describe it as two out of his four years have been pretty, really good for Baker Mayfield. You don't know what you're going to get, but two out of four have been really good.
1: He has enough limitations that I wouldn't want him because I feel like you're kind of, you know, I, you would rather have someone predictable if you're in the middle. Yeah. You know, like he, he obviously throws a beautiful ball and like it is pretty accurate when he can see it, but like the processing and getting rid of the ball is just not not totally there. I Pretty early on, I was like, this is, I thought he was Kirk Cousins. And now I'm like, he might not even be Kirk Cousins. Um, like, and that's not a down, you know, that's not like slamming the guy. If he had Kirk Cousins,
0: it's his career. He'd be one of the richest quarterbacks in history. Yeah. Well, to be Kirk, to be Kirk Cousins, you, you got to be Kirk Cousins off the field too, where you're just maximizing three-year contracts left and right, getting franchise tagged and the whole deal. But I also think,
1: like, if you're Matt Rule, like, you're not going to have your job next year if you win three games. Baker Mayfield is like w- a way better idea and, uh, than trying Sam Darnold and Matt
0: Corral. And the Panthers at least made some moves on the offensive line. Like, I, I like their offseason a lot more this year than I did last year. The Panthers, with a good quarterback, could be much better than they were.
1: Right. I think it's worth a shot. I mean, yeah, this isn't a hot take, but I think if they had just like kept Teddy, uh, and I I have too much of a soft spot for Kit, but if they had just kept Teddy, there with the defense they had a year ago, they probably you know they would have had a better record. Definitely would have been better. <laughs> and they might have you know they would they might have been okay. They might have they might have had a winning record if you had put Teddy on with that the de- like they were they would have been okay.
0: Where do you stand on Seattle and what they're doing? Because Baker could end. I mean, could he end up there? He's he's better than Drew Locke, I think I.
1: And I, this could be wrong because I've learned not to trust these things totally, but it's been right so far. It was just like they didn't, I don't think they want him. I don't think they wanted Baker. Yeah. Like, whether it's his play, or I get the feeling more of like his, that they don't want him as like their guy. They just don't want but They him can't as their see guy. him as their guy. So it's like, why yeah. don't we just go with Gino and Drew Locke? I'm surprised they like Drew Locke, but I think they, sneaky like Gino and think if we end up starting Gino 13 games we'll be fine with that whether that's a good idea or not I'm I'm not sure but he could be all right
0: sitting in this seat where my job's not on the line I think I always think from a long-term perspective that maybe teams don't and I'm I'm just of the mind if I don't know who my quarterback is I'll pay a little bit of money to see if Baker Mayfield might be that guy going forward that's all is I would take year five of Baker Mayfield get him in my building and if it works out, maybe I resign him and he becomes my guy. If not, we just move on and it's fine.
1: Right. I'm not a big Baker guy and I'm the biggest Gino guy there is.
0: And even I agree with you. That's like, why not just 2013 another guy, 2013 draft Twitter with, uh, everybody loved Gino. It was more, um, 2014, the last
1: four games of the season. I remember writing a piece. We used to do this piece called making the leap, uh, and if those like last four games of Geno Smith and he never got to start the next season, cause that's when he got knocked out by I came So he showed a lot. He showed what the draft Knicks were hoping for. And, and since he's played since like, you've kind of seen it. I think he's, he's probably a little closer to like the 25th best quarterback
0: in the league than people want to admit. And oh,
1: if, wow. if the if the Seahawks agree with that, then that's,
0: that, just gonna that is. The so there's the hot take I'm looking for. Geno Smith, QB 25, lock it in. <laughs> Uh, because, you know, you write, like I, I used to do more writing, but um, sometimes you're looking for a story. And uh, Geno Smith, if you go back through the PFF grades, I used to call him Mr. S- Mr. Week 17 Geno Smith. He would just crush it the last week of the season. Well, and that then, was the
1: thing. He won that yeah. – la- it was the last game of the Rex Ryan era, I believe. Yeah. It was the end of that four-game stretch. And, like, that four-game stretch, he played quite well for four games. And I was like, all right, I think you got something.
0: And then Sam Darnold did the same thing. He was like – qb2 by our grades the last four ga- games of the season so as storytellers it's fun to want to tell stories right oh this guy improved he did it in the last four four weeks of the season right or whatever it might be and then i've learned through the years that sometimes telling the good story that makes sense actually makes no sense from a data standpoint and you actually shouldn't do that so sometimes I've also a good learned story like is just, the
1: last four games yeah. count as games eight through ten or eight through 12 you know like it's the same of we, we tend to
0: like uh, overrate the yeah. the late push but when when players are young we all think in we all think real life is madden right like we think the players right. are going to get better and they'll be better at the end of the season than they are at the beginning and all that stuff and it's just not it's just not real so anyway greg it's been awesome i appreciate all the time here tell everybody where you can uh where they can find all uh, everywhere that you are uh around the nfl podcast you know check it out on twitter that's enough i assume i assume we have a lot of crossover listeners i'm sure a lot of people have around the nfl and the pff nfl podcast probably just back to back you know i hope so i mean
1: i'm i'm um i like sharing it even though i'm gonna feel bad after we hang up i'm gonna feel bad that i started by like jabbing you right off the top or jabbing
0: (laughs) you were giving constructive criticism but if you guys have me on your guess, show, I'll just, you know, I'll go down the line and just start giving We got to do that.
1: We got to do yeah. it. Now, this is the time of year to do it. We're, I'm a big, like the podcast is in the room. And like, you know, if you come to LA, we, we will have, we will definitely have you in that room. But the off season is the time where it doesn't always have to be in the room. We got, yeah. we got to get Steve on, but I'd love to have you in person. If only cause. You know i'm if you round up five six um so it would be a
0: nice contrast us next away. Uh it is funny because pe- uh, people think that sam is five six because of me right
1: uh, he says that right. well and he talks a lot about his very small tiny hands which yeah. is
0: good it shows he's comfortable
1: right um you know but so he has
0: maybe he has smaller hands than me but he's not five six apparently so i have no I, idea i would love to it. i would love to do it in person at some point as well um uh, because I'll, I'll be brutally honest with you as well our listeners don't like guests we don't like guests. We don't like non-PFF guests. It's just what the people have said, and I've broken that to bring hmm. you to bring Rick Spielman on uh, on back-to-back shows because I think I think you're a good enough guest that we can buck the trend, that we can work okay. against the data, and the, and the people will like it.
1: But I get it. I'm kind of like that with podcasts too. Yeah. Non-sports podcasts, whatever. Like I, I don't need the guests. I'm I'm there for the for the people.
0: Yeah. So, you know, we're just we're just being honest with each other here. I'm, but I'm there I for think that sizzling discussion. Steve and Sam chemistry. <laughs> <that has been laughs> oh, yeah, the chemistry. Really the chemistry is great. Well, we appreciate that you're, it's always nice to have a dedicated listener, you know, on okay. the show with us here and a Massachusettsian, even if you're on the New York side. So appreciate it, Greg. LA go, now. Go, All right, Steve. Go listen it. to them around the NFL. Thank you all right thanks to Greg once again for being a part of the show I definitely want to uh, join them at some point if we can Um, just want to reiterate that whole that that whole group there um, in the late Chris Wessling. just an awesome podcast they do um, it's just you listen to those guys and you listen to that whole team and it's like hey they're just they're friends they have fun They enjoy football. They enjoy each other's company. I think that's what uh, podcasting is all about. So um, we really did, Sam and I, you know, listen through the years and seen how they've grown and uh, learned a lot from what they do at the Around the NFL podcast. So really appreciate uh, that whole team over there. Appreciate Greg taking all that time to to, to discuss the NFL. And, you know, for us, uh, I love Sam. I love his takes. I'm sure he loves mine. But it is always good to get slightly different perspectives here on the podcast and have some good football discussions. I believe that's what we've done with the last two shows with greg on here and then with rick spielman last thursday so uh, appreciate having those guests having rick and having greg over these last couple shows don't forget you can get 25 percent off any pff subscription using the code nfl pod with any nf uh, pff subscription you get all the article locked article content you get the fantasy football rankings projections are coming soon all the gambling uh apps and all the fun stuff that we're building PFF grades from the 2021 season upcoming 2022 season and much more so all of it is 25% off using the promo code NFL pod so thanks to everybody for tuning in today on this Memorial Day Uh, we'll be back here on Thursday it is the 32 reasons for optimism one for each team with PFF's own and newly engaged Trevor Sycamus so be sure to send Trevor a congratulations uh, congratulations he'll be on the show here Thursday as we tell you why your team should be optimistic for the 2022 season thanks to everybody for tuning in we'll see you Thursday